Welcome to This Week in Astrology. This is episode number 492 for the second half of April 2019. This Week in Astrology is the free podcast that deepens your astrological wisdom. We always start with a forecast and regularly include other special features. Make This Week in Astrology a regular part of your astrological education. Thanks so much for listening. I'm your host, Benjamin Bernstein, broadcasting from the virtual location of thisweekinastrology.com and the physical location of Asheville, North Carolina. To get to a specific part of the show, including the forecast for a particular date, check out the index at the very end of this MP3. You can also see this index in writing at thisweekinastrology.blogspot.com. We have a longer show for you this time. We're going to start, as always, with the forecast, and then we're going to have a couple of brief announcements, and then we're going to dive into a listener consultation recorded live with the client that lasts a little over an hour. This was done specifically for the podcast, and uh, this client is a woman who lives in Greece, and she's having a dispute with her stepfather about some shared property. And we look at her chart, at the stepfather's chart, at the synastry between them. And I give her some insight also as to what's going on with the moving energies, um, how he's being supported by the stars, how she is, and ways that she can step more fully into her power and create a good outcome from this challenging situation that has dragged on for years. So if that sounds juicy, tune in. You'll have a lot of astrological knowledge shared as well. So let's get started with the forecast. Pluto and Saturn turn retrograde in the second half of April, highlighting the themes of wealth, power, release, and restructuring. We also have a powerfully aspected Libra full moon, a potent new T-square, and many magical quintiles. What's old as we come into the second half of April? We've got a waxing moon, Jupiter's retrograde through August 11th, and we've got three aspect patterns wrapping up, a grand cross, a mystic rectangle, and a T-square that we discussed on last week's show. So now let's move on to the new items in the forecast. On Friday, April 19th, April's full moon shines forth at 7.12 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. That's at 29 degrees, 6 minutes Libra. Any Libra full moon is great for release and adjustment in relationship and creativity. Aspects. The moon and sun form a grand cross with Uranus, Pluto, and the lunar nodes. This invites you to embody whatever revolutionary transformation is needed to align more closely with your life purpose. Uranus's opposition to the moon with a three-degree orb is the tightest aspect in this grand cross. This can electrify you to embody everything that's special and unique about you and show those qualities to the world to the greatest appropriate degree. You can also ride this Uranian energy by following your intuitive flashes and serving others with the special talents you most love to use. Pluto's square to the luminaries, while twice as wide as Uranus's with a six-degree orb, is still a force to be reckoned with. Pluto invites you to release everything that doesn't serve your highest good. This could include unneeded material possessions, unhealthy relationships, time-wasting habits, and self-limiting thinking. Pluto also offers wealth and power in your relationships and creative expression. Wealth can be anything that you value. Animalistic power involves competition, control, and domination, while shared power is a win-win proposition that lifts up everybody. 
The luminaries are at the bending of the nodes, which is astrologies for saying that they're square, the nodes. Are you at a potential turning point regarding your life purpose, especially regarding relationship or creativity? If so, are you willing to follow your inner guidance, even if it takes you into scary, uncharted territory? The moon and sun also form a mystic rectangle with Juno and Jupiter. If a committed partnership aligns with your life purpose, this aspect pattern can bless it with expansion, joy, and good fortune. If a committed partnership doesn't serve highest good, this mystic rectangle can amplify the problem areas so you can see what's going on more clearly. This Libra full moon also has one standalone aspect, a type moon-venus quincunx. This reinforces the primary meaning of any Libra full moon, appropriate relationship adjustments. Also, on Friday, April 19th, Mercury makes two aspects today, a Mercury-Saturn quintile. Mercury, two Aries, Saturn, 20 degrees Capricorn, boosts practical creativity. A Mercury-Chiron conjunction at 3 degrees Aries is ideal for a fresh start or renewed energy in mentoring and mental health. On Saturday, April 20th, the sun enters Taurus at 4.55 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. For the next month, the pleasures of the five senses are accentuated. Taurus also supports immersion in nature, gardening, persistence, and material gain. Remember that while stubbornness is a virtue when you're holding on to something worthwhile, it's also a two-edged sword. Sticking with something because it's always been that way doesn't serve you if it's outgrown and obstructing your growth. On Sunday, April 21st, agile, adventurous assertiveness, guided by your intuitive flow, is energized by a T-square featuring Mars, Jupiter, and Neptune. This dynamic aspect pattern starts today on April 21st, peaks on May 1st, and ends on May 13th. This T-square can also energize learning and communication, writing and teaching, sacred sex, and bold, inspired leadership. Try to steer clear of this aspect pattern's lower expressions, such as misguided verbal attacks and street corner preacher syndrome. Also, on Sunday, April 21st, your thinking and communication can be more inspired, practical, and focused thanks to a Mercury-Pluto quintile. Mercury, 5 degrees Aries, Pluto, 23 degrees Capricorn. On Monday, April 22nd, you can step more fully into your authentic self in down-to-earth practical ways as the sun conjoins Uranus in Taurus. That's at two and a half degrees Taurus. This is also a great time to clean out the closets and align your livelihood more fully with your true nature. Also, on Monday, April 22nd, a Venus-Saturn quintile, Venus, 2 degrees Aries, Saturn, 20 degrees Capricorn, can inspire you to improve the structure of your relationships, creative expression, and finances. On Tuesday, April 23rd, Venus makes two aspects today, a Venus-Mars quintile, Venus, 3 Aries, Mars, 15 Gemini, can inspire heightened creativity and magical romance. A Venus-Chiron conjunction at 4 degrees Aries energizes relationship healing and mentoring. On Wednesday, April 24th, Pluto turns retrograde today at 2.48 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time at 23 degrees Capricorn. He'll turn direct again on October 3rd at 14 degrees Capricorn. 
The retrogrades of outer planets have much subtler effects than the retrogrades of Mercury, Venus, and Mars. Don't hold off on starting things that relate to Pluto, since his retrograde lasts over five months. Nevertheless, Pluto retrograde is a great time to reflect on how fully you're embracing change and personal transformation. Are you getting rid of possessions you don't need and releasing relationships that drain your vitality? Are you stopping or revising habits that waste your time and rethinking concepts that inappropriately narrow your possibilities? Pluto also represents wealth and power. Wealth is anything that you value, tangible or intangible. Are you accumulating the kind of wealth that really matters to you? Regarding power, are you playing a zero-sum game where someone else must lose for you to win? Or do you prefer to share power, striving for an outcome which meets everyone's needs? Triple Conjunction Pluto is less than three degrees from Saturn and the South Node as he turns retrograde. All three are no-nonsense actors who won't hesitate to bring up your shadow work. Don't be surprised if events in your life catalyze wounds or traumas from your childhood or past lives. If so, you can join the thousands who have benefited from my healing invocation. This free, simple technique calls in your higher self to do the deep emotional healing that we humans have so much trouble with. To get to that, go to astroshaman.com. On the menu bar, the last word is resources. The first item down from that is invocations for healing and awakening. Click that and you'll see my two posts on the invocations for awakening and healing. Even with Pluto retrograde, you can also use this triple conjunction to become an unstoppable force, moving forward in your soul mission with tremendous power and authority. Impact on your natal chart. Planets are most powerful when they change directions, so any sensitive point in your horoscope between 20 and 26 degrees in the cardinal signs, Aries, Cancer, Libra, and Capricorn, will be strongly affected by Pluto stationing retrograde. Whatever is represented by those points will be catalyzed for release or transformation if they're out of alignment with your soul purpose. If they're in alignment, they'll be blessed with wealth and power. Also, on Wednesday, April 24th, you can enjoy a powerful creativity boost with Venus Quintal Pluto. Venus, 5 Aries, Pluto, 23 Capricorn. This aspect can also help you be more sexually innovative. On Friday, April 26th, you can take a committed partnership to the next level of wonderful with Uranus Sextile Juno. Uranus, 3 Taurus, Juno, 3 Cancer. Follow your intuitive flashes. On Saturday, April 27th, definitive action, guided by flowing intuition, is one great use of a Mars-Neptune square. This aspect also supports inspired leadership and sacred sex. With Mars in Gemini, this dynamic aspect can energize flowing speech and creative writing. On Sunday, April 28th, a committed partnership could experience wounding or healing or wounding followed by healing under the influence of a Chiron-Juno square. Chiron, for Aries, Juno, for Cancer. If you and your partner can't see eye to eye, the four-part nonviolent communication process could help you regain harmony. To learn more about that, just Google four-part nonviolent communication process. For the shadow work you'll need to do for yourself, try my free healing invocation. On Monday, April 29th, Saturn turns retrograde at 8.54 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. That's at 20 degrees, 31 minutes Capricorn. He'll turn direct again on September 18th at 14 Capricorn. 
this four and a half month period is too long to suspend business as usual, but it's still a good time to reflect on how well you're embodying maturity, responsibility, and good time management, as well as planning and implementation. Do you need to wean yourself from Saturn's darker qualities, such as being a workaholic or believing that the ends justify the means? Triple conjunction. Just as a note here, the rest of this interpretation is going to sound very similar to what I said about Pluto retrograde, but no need to reinvent the wheel. Saturn's precisely conjunct the south lunar node and less than three degrees from Pluto as he turns retrograde. As I said earlier, all three are no-nonsense actors who will not hesitate to bring up whatever shadow work most needs healing. Again, don't be surprised if events in your life catalyze wounds or traumas from your childhood or past lives. My healing invocation can help with that. And even with Saturn and Pluto retrograde, you can use this triple conjunction to become an unstoppable force moving forward in your soul mission with tremendous power and authority. Now, now what about the uh, impact on your natal chart on this one? At this point, when Saturn turns retrograde, it's going to affect the points between 17 and 24 degrees in the cardinal signs. So whatever is represented by those points will be catalyzed for release or restructuring if they're out of alignment with your soul purpose. If they're in alignment, you can build upon their solid foundations. Whatever your sun sign, my forecast can help you make the best use of the current astrological energies. All dates and times are in the U.S. Eastern time zone. Events are most powerful on the dates listed, but their influence will be active for at least a week before and after. Everyone's affected by these global transits, but you'll be most powerfully impacted when moving planets activate sensitive points in your natal chart. Discover how these transits will personally affect you by booking a session with me. Go to astroshama.com. And under services, choose Astrology Plus. Looking ahead to our show for the first half of May, we're going to talk about a new moon in Taurus, Uranus semi-square Neptune, and a whole lot of wealth-producing potential. Jupiter semi-sextile Pluto, Venus trying Jupiter, Venus square Pluto. Um, we've also got Mars opposing Jupiter, which can amplify that too. Mars quincunx Pluto, the planet of great wealth. And we've also got some new aspect patterns that are cradles. Uh, lots of law of attraction potential in these. So uh, uh, good time for some making money and drawing to you what you want. And I'll have a lot more to tell you about that on the next podcast for the first half of May. I hope you'll join me. You can hear my forecast on This Week in Astrology, but would you also like to get a free, concise version in writing? How about having it conveniently pop into your inbox? And while we're at it, how about occasional bonus articles on astrology, along with simple, powerful healing and awakening techniques? That's what you get with Astroshaman's free email newsletter. To subscribe, go to astroshaman.com. You'll see the newsletter sign-up form at the top of the sidebar. And if you like calculating your own astrology charts, why not use the world's leading Windows astrology software and get it for the lowest price available? Astroshaman is an authorized dealer for Solar Fire Gold, which also runs on Macs running Windows and recent Windows tablets. To learn more or place your order, visit astroshaman.com. From there, click on Products in the menu bar and choose Solar Fire Software from the drop down menu. A free forecast newsletter and the best available price on Solar Fire Gold. Two great reasons to visit astroshaman.com right now. I have some brief announcements for you. McKeesla and I will lead a special shamanic awakening ceremony in the Greenville, South Carolina area this Saturday, April 20th at 6.30 p.m. Admission is love offering between $10 and $20. 
It's going to take place about 20 minutes west of downtown Greenville, South Carolina. And you can learn more about that by going to astroshaman.com. It's listed in the What's New section on the home page. Also, again, if you're local, we host three meetups each month at our home here in Asheville, North Carolina. All meet on Tuesday at 7 p.m. First Tuesday, we do ecstatic divine group consciousness. Second Tuesday is a Singa or grandfather tobacco ceremony where we drink tobacco tea through our noses. <laughs> Third Tuesdays is a shamanic awakening ceremony. So go to meetup.com if you're in the Asheville area. Search the words shamanic awakening and those should come right up. I also have these linked in my newsletter. And that's all the announcements. Welcome to our interactive listener consultation. Uh, I'm with Palmyra, and you're in Greece right now. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. And um, so let me uh, begin by giving the natal data of relevance. Um, now, the charts that we're going to reference are going to be in a PDF at thisweekinastrology.blogspot.com. And uh, on this show's notes toward the bottom, we'll see a link under the name Palmyra, where you can link as the listener and see all the charts we're looking at. But just for the record, let me confirm, Palmyra, that I do have all the data correct for you. I've got July 4, 1982, 7.20 a.m., Athens, Greece. Is that correct? That's right. And for your stepfather, we've got December 5, 1950, 2 p.m., Athens, Greece. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. And on your chart, should we should we have Cancer rising 25 degrees 58 minutes with the moon in Sagittarius at 18 degrees 43 minutes? Yes. And for him, should we have Aries rising 12 degrees 11 minutes and uh, moon at 18 degrees 21 minutes? Exactly. All right. We're good. Okay. So tell me what we're going to focus on today. So the main focus is... Um, what is the karmic deal? What is the karmic relationship uh, between me and my stepfather? As we were always uh, two individuals that never got along with each other, um, never had um, smooth relationships. And uh, on the contrary, uh, there was a very big war between us. Mm. Let me put it that way. Okay. Um, so, uh, I wanted to know more of the nature of, uh, our relationship. Uh, what, what am I dealing here with? Okay. Very good. All right. So I'm going to begin the answer by looking at your synastry grid and this mm -hmm. will be one of the last sheets in the PDF. Um, so a synastry grid means you're taking one person's planets and the other person's, you're making a huge grid out of what are called the inter aspects. That is the connections the planets make to each other. Um, and in terms of karma, the best place to look is the lunar nodes. And right. when I look at your lunar nodes, um, the, your North and South node make, um, 150 and 30 degree aspects to his sun and they square his moon. So there's yeah. some very strong connection to the luminaries and it's all challenging on his yeah. side. When I look at his lunar nodes, uh, interacting with yours, um, they square your moon and they square your Mercury. Um, yeah. The south node has a tiny little quintile to your sun, but that's vastly overweight. So, so right away we can see from the synastry grid that there is, you know, significant um, hard aspect energy from the lunar nodes to personal planets, and that is a pretty quick and easy way to see that there is challenge in the in the relational field. Um, so that's what I initially saw when I looked at that. 
And that, that is the, the most quick and easy way to explain why there's difficulty between you. Now, there's much more beyond that. Um, as we look into, again, I'm obviously bypassing all the natal chart analysis, but we can get to that shortly. Um, when I look into your uh, aspects between you and him, I'm just now scanning your personal line. Your son um, makes a quincunx to his son and a square to his moon. Obviously, that's a pretty challenging scenario. Um, his son, obviously, quincunx is your son. It conjoins your moon. Now, a, a conjunction doesn't let us know if it's going to be smooth or difficult, but it says there's a very powerful interaction. And his son opposes your Venus. Now, that doesn't have to be difficult, uh, especially in sinistry. The opposition is merely an angle of relationship. But in, case, in your case, it has turned out to be a, a challenging scenario. Um, so those are the, and also, as I look more closely, his Venus um, conjoins your moon very tightly and it opposes your Mercury, opposes your Venus. So his Venus in your uh, chart has a lot of challenging energy as well. His Mars um, quincunx your Mercury, sesquare uh, your Venus. So Mars is aggression, assertiveness. And his Mars is more is making hard aspects to all the personal connections. So mm -hmm. we see that there is, you know, a fair amount of challenging energy in some sensitive places. Also, when I look at the overall message between the personals, um, we know Sun is quincunx Sun. Um, your Venuses oppose each other as well, which could, you know, make a difference in your tastes and your way of relating. Um, th there is one nice note, though. Your moons are tightly sextile. So um, there is the potential for emotional harmony in the relationship. Also, your moon on top of his sun potentially could be harmonious. Um, but when I actually look at the overall message uh, in all the personal planet setups, while there, <clears throat> there is some harmonious, I think the most critical connections are showing a little more challenge than flow. So um, the, this industry is not unworkable if you are both very motivated and working, you know, diligently and with good techniques to create harmony that could happen. But there, there's more than enough challenge built in to indicate a potentially challenging setup like you're describing. Um, now, I want to also cover the other aspects in the synastry that are, are creating challenge. Um, your Pluto is right on top of his moon within about six degrees. And that um, he's, his moon is highly entangled into your planets. His moon as aspects like four out of five of your personal planets. Um, and actually, there, there is some harmony there. I mean, moon sextile moon, moon sext moon trine Mercury, rather. Um, but your Pluto on his moon and your Saturn even more tightly on his moon um, indicates that if he feels at all controlled by you, he could have a challenging emotional response. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, then th that looks like a really strong Achilles heel. So basically, um, my understanding, if we can get into a little of what's actually going on, you've, you, you have co-ownership of a house. He owns 25%, you own 75%. And for years, you've been trying to sell it. And you were telling me just in the last few weeks, there's been some motion toward you know, working through that. And he's indicating at least some level of cooperation, right? Yeah, well, he was forced to because we had, um, we had debt. So um, um, 
you know, it came due. So uh, mm. he, he was kind of forced to accept, sort of, uh, okay. and sign. Ah, so basically he, he had his back against the wall financially. And if he didn't agree to move forward with the sale, then there would have been grievous consequences for him financially. Of course. Okay, so basically he didn't act until he was forced to then. Of course. Okay, well, and, and we'll look at his chart to see why he's, he's doing that, okay? Um, mm -hmm. But let me, let me finish the, the overall sinistry analysis, and then we'll go to yes. the individual charts and get a sense of, of what the behavior is, is, you know, there's what astrology is, is showing this behavior. Um, in terms of his slower planets affecting you, um, his Chiron is on your moon and opposing your Mercury. Oh, and dear. especially Chiron on the moon, Chiron can be wounding. So in a, in a person who's not fully evolved, in other words, if person who's working more from selfish, you know, just wanting personal gain and not so concerned about the other person, that usually ends up as emotional wounding being inflicted by him. Yeah. Um, also, uh, one of the most potent connections you have is his Uranus is right on your sun, like three and a half degrees away. And that... Unpredictability. Know, say what? Unpredictability. I did not He's understand. He's totally unpredictable towards me. To Thank totally you. unpredictable. Yeah, and that's that's one of the lower side expressions of Uranus is just you never know what he's going to do. He's a wild card. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Now, in a, in a more conscious uh, service to other focused person, that could be a person standing beautifully in their individuality and following their intuitive flashes and actually serving the highest good of everybody. But it, it's pretty clear he's not working at that level at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah. So none of these, even tough connections like this, don't have to be bad if the people are evolved and coming from an attitude of let's let's all win and and get yeah. everyone's needs met. But it, that sounds like not the level he's coming from. Right no, now. no. He was always a, a lonely wolf, you know, mm -hmm. a, a, a lonely player. He's he's not cooperative in any sense. Okay. All right. So thank you. All right. So let's now dive in a little bit into the individual charts. And what I've, what I've done for both of you, I've studied your natal charts and modes and elements and such. And I've also looked at your transits and your secondary progressions. So I've got a sense of what's kind of going on now. Um, now, if I can start with your chart, Palmyra, um, I see um, you have a lot of indications of a very sensitive person. Um, and, and I'll mention here I'm using porphyry houses. So if anyone doesn't understand why I put a planet in a certain house. That house system is what I'm using. You have a Cancer Sun in the 12th house, which tends to create great emotional sensitivity and high empathic skill where you can feel other people's emotions very easily. Is that true? Yeah, very true. And also, it, it, that is also shown you have a Moon-Neptune conjunction. They're about six and a half degrees apart, roughly. And I, Moon and Neptune together always creates an empathic sensitivity. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so you're, you're very sensitive. So it, it looks now that's not the only signature you have, but, um, your chart is, you know, more oriented toward empathic sensitivity than it is to like, you know, hard aggression and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm, you know, there, we don't have time in the time we have here to go into a deep natal analysis, but that is a, a very powerful part of the chart. Now, one thing, um, the chart is is bringing out, let me just mention a T-square, uh, actually a grand cross in your chart. The sun and north node are tightly conjunct within two degrees in the 12th house in Cancer. And they oppose obviously the south node in Capricorn. Um, 
the high point of the Grand Cross is the Midheaven, and the and the bottom point is kind of where the juice of what I'm going to get to is. You've got four things down there at that corner yeah. of the Grand Cross. You've got yeah. um, the asteroid goddess Pallas Athena, the Nadir, Mars, and Saturn. And what this suggests to me, you know, a Grand Cross usually starts off real challenging. And it, it presents difficulty in the earlier part of the life. But if mastered, it becomes the greatest strength. So mm-hmm. um, what this says is what you're here to embody more fully is that assertive, powerful energy. Mars and Saturn together is like the unstoppable Energizer bunny. It just goes and goes and goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and since all, all the lower points are in Libra, this says you need to learn in relationship how to be appropriately assertive. Um, the Pallas Athena says the same thing. That's the warrior goddess. And she will fight if she has to, but she will first try to get her her goals met through negotiation, strategy, politicking. Harmony, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, totally. so she'll try for the win-win first, and then she'll mm-hmm. fight if she has to. So what I see in this chart is a natural inclination toward just wanting to be peaceful, you know, go with the flow, not make waves. But, you know, what what this situation, I believe, is but offering... this is not the case. <laughs> no. Uh, but again, what, what happens is if you haven't embodied a part of your chart, then a person shows up outside you and their job is to embody it for you, usually on the lower side to get your attention. And yeah. then they will, those people will keep showing up until you do step fully into the potential of your natal chart. Does that make any sense? It does completely, yes. So, so here we have someone who is embodying the strategic quality of Pallas Athena, but is using it to, to your disadvantage if he can. He's, in, he's embodying Mars. He's being aggressive and assertive and, you know, attacking you, you know, financially or strategically. And then Saturn's, he's saying, I'm your authority. I'm the boss over the situation and I'm going to call the shots here. Does that mm. sound like kind of the, the attitude he's been taking towards you in this matter? Yes, 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 clearly. Okay. So basically, my based on all the thousands of readings I've done, you know, so basically you've got your the lower part of your Grand Cross, Pallas, Athena, Mars, and Saturn being embodied by him uh, because it's now time for your own soul growth to step more fully into the high side of those, if you wish. And once you step into full, strong power, then people like him stop showing up because they've served their purpose for this lifetime. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay. So um, are you, have you made a shift in, re- in the last few weeks? Have you stepped up into a more assertive, powerful position in the whole matter? Or did you just get lucky and he came to the table because he, he had his back against the wall? Yeah, probably the second. But uh, I'm trying to work a lot with my anger towards him right now mm. because I'm really, really agitated and yeah. angry after the six years I've had and the limitations he, he, he put to me. Okay. And uh, I'm really trying to do some some clearing out, you know, out of me toxins, you know, because I I feel I have accumulated a lot of them. Yeah. Because of my strong feelings towards him. Yeah. So, um, do you have a uh, a psychological tool you're using to help clear that anger and and you know bring peacefulness to it? Well, my first thing I go to is um, I pray. I pray for this guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I pray for this guy to uh, find his truth, you know, to have a, a clear mind, to be able to 
open up his heart more because he's 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 a guy he's alone he's a 68 years old he's mm-hmm. alone he hasn't got any friends i mean he's he's a little bit you know like a sad like a sad figure mm. so i'm trying to to pray i'm trying to meditate i meditate a lot okay but apart from that, no, I don't use other tools. Okay. All right. So it sounds like all of your energetic efforts are directed toward him, but you're not actually working much within yourself. Is that correct? Oh, probably. Okay. All right. So um, I, if I can offer a suggestion, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but um, yes, if you're getting a lot of stuff started up in you, then you have to deal with that internally. You know, your strategy seems to be, well, I'll be fine once he changes. But you can never mm-hmm. depend on another person to change. And that's actually giving them control over your inner state. Yeah, sure. So but sure. so there's tools. Um, for example, there's there's many beautiful tools that do this, but on my website on astroshaman.com, I offer the healing invocation. And I have another one for embodied awakening, but the healing invocation is a little more uh, you know, appropriate in this context. So just so you know. Uh, I'm not going to like lead you through this on this call or anything, but if later you or anyone who's interested goes to astroshaman.com and on the menu bar, the word resources is the last word on the menu bar. The first pull down says invocations for healing and awakening. Clicking that little word, those words will take you to a page with two posts that describe fully how you can actually call your own higher self to to heal the challenging things you're feeling and to take you into a state of awakening if you wish it to. And it's very okay. simple, free, quick, easy. Thousands of people have done it. I've got great All feedback right. on it. Cool. Thank you very much, yeah. Benjamin. Thank you. Yeah. So so I only mentioned that to give you a tool, but again, any tool that gets the job done, that 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 mm. gets you get into your shadow work and heal these old wounds. Um, what I have come to believe um, on the larger scheme is we come into a human lifetime to learn certain soul lessons. And part of that is some of our soul buddies before we all incarnate agree to come in as the bad guy. <laughs> their job yeah, is, yeah, to, yeah. <laughs> is to like him who come to deliberately give you difficulty because it's only that challenge that will ultimately motivate you to step into the next level of your own power right so so really in my perspective the whole scenario is designed to help you step more fully into your power if you're ready to okay yeah. okay and and i'll mention in your natal chart mars is very heavily aspect. He aspects all the other personal planets, square the sun, sextile the moon, trine Mercury, trine Venus, conjoining Saturn. Also, he square, I mean, Mars even squares your lunar nodes at a one degree orb and he's right on your nadir. So Mars is a real powerful planet. I'm mentioning him because he's the planet of anger. And, Mm. um, and therefore you've got a lot of energy on the Mars. And although I will say a lot of it's harmonious, you know, most of the personal planet aspects are soft. So you are here to master Mars. And if you learn how to work with anger and, and clear or transmute that energy of anger into positive juju, then you can be very potent and very powerful. It doesn't matter that you've got a 12th house sun and a moon Neptune conjunction. The Mars is so powerfully set up that, you know, it allows you to accomplish great things in the world because Mars isn't just anger. He's the warrior, the pioneer, the entrepreneur, the sexual being. Mars has lots of wonderful positive expressions. Mm-hmm. And and given how prominent he's, how powerfully he's aspected in your chart and how powerfully he's placed, you know, he's yeah. definitely a planet that you need to become buddies with. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> so that will help you greatly. Um, Saturn also, you know, Mars and Saturn are a degree and a half apart. 
you know, natally. Yeah. And yeah. and Saturn also connects to every single personal planet like Mars does. And so that's that's you standing in authority. That's you're the wise elder, you've got wisdom, you're mature, you're responsible, you plan your work and work your plan, you manage your time well. That's all Saturn stuff. And mm. and those two planets, you know, are joined at the hip for you and and mastering one is mastering the other. And and so it also we could take Mars and Saturn together and say this is to help you create a a structure and a strategy to work with the lower expressions of Mars, anger or impulsiveness, where you just do stuff that turns out to have poor consequences because you acted without thinking or planning, for example. Oh, that's me. That's yeah. me, yeah. So it sounds like, you know, really putting some attention on that Mars and Saturn in your natal chart is is really where it's about in terms of a lot of this thing. Now, okay. I'm curious, in dealing with your stepfather, have you have you taken legal action? Have you done whatever's in your power to try to compel the sale before he actually uh, well this something? is a, a very nice question because the answer is no and um um i'm even surprised of saying no because i had i had a lawyer when we started uh -huh. this situation like six years ago when mm -hmm. all of this started when i lost my mother actually oh, i'm sorry and um the deal back then was listen don't do any legal procedure against him. What you want is a peaceful negotiation. Mm -hmm. You want harmony. So you want to agree on a sale. You don't want to take that in a legal, you know, ground and, 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 and open a battle, you know? Mm -hmm. So my Libra said, oh, yeah, well, let's go for the harmony. No legal things, you know, no, uh -huh. not any wars. Okay. <laughs> so I didn't. And uh, while I was not uh, pursuing any action towards him, he was gaining um, things from me. He was gaining more money. He was gaining the house. Mm -hmm. um, and... Um, and I was unwilling to to take any legal actions. Okay. So um, so let me now. So basically, you 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 basically didn't step into your power in the situation. You let him be no, the ruler of the situation until recently, right? I, I thought it was better to to negotiate to try to negotiate. You know. Okay. Well, yeah, but just just you know, if you don't negotiate something within a few months or a year, chances are that person is not going to be very persuasive. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, so let me, let me, it's relevant now to bring in some of your transits. Mm -hmm. um, so you've got some really powerful transits around relationship right now. One yes. is that uh, transiting Pluto has stationed within three degrees of your descendant. And that's the beginning of house number seven. And that's the house of all important relationships. Um, whether that's, you know, lover, spouse, friends, family, open enemy, you know, anyone who's important in your life for any reason, and he definitely is, is a seventh house relationship. Yes. So um, now, even though Pluto hasn't made the exact hit yet, I've observed when he gets within three degrees, he's really potent. We're on, we've turned the heat up to high at that point. So Pluto, again, is one of its meanings is power. And and this, this Pluto approaching your descendant says you either will step more into your power in relating or someone else will take the Pluto and use it against you. Okay. Mm, okay. So it, you know, this is saying it's very important now that you do step up if you want to have a good outcome from this and step into your power. It sounds like it's the only thing he'll respect. When it comes with this with this guy, I really don't know what what my power is. You know. Well, it's been 
that's such a trauma between us from a very early age of okay. mine. All right. And I, I lose, I feel I lose my sense of self and my power when I'm around him. Okay. All right. So understanding this, have you reached out to someone else who can sort of advise and support you in this process? My lawyer. Yes, we could say. Okay. So do you currently have a lawyer engaged in this situation? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. So are you now actively working with that lawyer to to get the outcome finalized? Yes, I am. Okay, I good. Am. And how does it feel to have re-engaged the lawyer? Well, it feels good. I don't I don't feel safe just yet because mm -hmm. it's nothing final. I don't feel the safety yet. I feel like uh you know, it's going to be taken away from me. Okay, so uh, let me let me rephrase my question. Do you feel comfortable with the lawyer? Do you feel like the lawyer is definitely oh, in your court? And yeah, yeah. Do you trust I the feel lawyer? Safe with my lawyer. Okay. Yes. All right. So obviously, the the outcome of the whole situation is not known yet because it's not final. No. But you feel like the lawyer is is a good, strong ally, and you trust the lawyer yes. to assist you. Okay. Good. Yes, doing a great job advising me. Um, good. Good enough. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and, trust her. Okay. Good. Now, also, let me be clear, even when you're standing in power, it doesn't mean you have to get nasty. Um, mm, okay. You don't have to be mean and vindictive and cruel, you know, to try to do this. You can engage a lawyer and, and stand in your power and, and go for your legal rights. And you can still potentially hold an attitude of complete unconditional love for the person you're working with, even if you have to sue them. Mm -hmm. So just understand that uh, taking legal action does not mean it has to get nasty and dirty. Okay. Yeah. So necessary action can be taken from a very high vibration, loving place, potentially. I'm not saying it's easy by any means, yeah. especially in your scenario, but it is possible. So just understand that power does not have to equal cruelty. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I guess I'm, I'm holding a belief uh, still that says that power equals battle, you know, or... Mm -hmm. um, or something like that, because um, this is what I formed uh, seeing my, my parents, you know, when, when I was growing up, I, mm -hmm. this is what I saw. Right. And, and just astrologically, the fact that you've got um, all of the classic malefics in your fourth house, those are the planets that in old style astrology were considered bad. You've got Mars yeah. and Saturn very close to the beginning of house four. Pluto would they yeah. consider a modern malefic is, is a little bit later in the house, 13 degrees in. Now, again, I don't interpret the planets that way. I'm just mentioning that to indicate that this many challenging planets in the fourth usually indicates a challenging upbringing. Yeah. Okay? Which I also believe was chosen by you at the soul level before you were born. Again, it was what you needed yeah. for growth. It wasn't easy, but it was necessary. Okay. Yeah. And so, also, let me let me tell you that um, I'm adopted. So this uh -huh. family is my adoptive family. Mm. And uh, when uh, my mom died, I discovered my real family. So oh. the Neptune Moon connection you're seeing in my fifth house. Ah, yeah. <laughs> is probably the adoption. Right. So so also. Moon family, mm. Neptune shrouded in mystery, mysterious, unclear. Right. That yeah. makes sense in terms of adoption. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So. Um, let me so let me let me talk about the, the remaining transits that are relevant to your situation. Um, yes. So I think Pluto coming the descendant shows it's you you here's the deal. You can work with these planets as allies. And and I, I do a forum sometimes called shamanic astrology, where you actually speak to the planet as the living god that it is, this potent force within you. 
represented by the body in the sky, but actually it's an archetypal energy inside you. Okay. So mm -hmm. you say, okay, I now call on Pluto, who's now coming into the relational house. He's, he's tugging at the cusp and say, I now embody my power in this relationship. It is, it is appropriate okay. and necessary for me to stand in my power finally against this man. And that's a very helpful tool. Very, yeah. very helpful. And, and if you call, if you literally invoke Pluto, you say, and I now call you Pluto, you're coming into my seventh house. You know, I'm, I need power in a relationship. I call you to fill me with the power and the determination and the, just the sheer guts to do this thing. You know, so, yeah. um, you, when you can't do it yourself, you got to call an outside help. I mean, this very morning I was, I was challenged by some dark energy and all these dark thoughts were going through my head. And uh, at the ego level, I wasn't strong enough to fight them. I had to call in uh, a divine ally to flush them out. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the truth of the matter is sometimes the lesson is that your ego in its current state is not enough to get it done. And then you call in allies, whether it's a human ally or a divine ally. Sometimes you just got to have someone else in your corner to get something done. And it's mm. a lesson of interdependence, knowing that it's, sometimes you can't do it on your own. We're, 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 you know, there's other people here and, and sometimes you need mm. to call in their assistance, you know? Mm. So Pluto could be not only you stepping into your power, but calling in powerful allies who are on your side <coughs> as he comes into the seventh house. <coughs> also, you're having the the Pluto square. You know, Pluto is is stationing less than one degree off square its own natal position in your chart. And that is a time when power dynamics always come up for people. So mm. and since your natal Pluto is in Libra relationships <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> not surprising it's coming up in that way right i can't escape <laughs> no you, you well no and also there, there's yet even more as if the relational theme hasn't been it's shown twice here's a third transiting pluto is applying to a sesquare to your natal venus your natal venus is at 10 gemini pluto stationing at 23 capricorn you know once it moves up another couple degrees it'll be exactly you know, making that 135 degree sesquare, also called a sesquiquadrate or a um, sesquisquare, you know, to Venus. And that's the natural ruler of relation, excuse me, the natural ruler of relationship for everyone. So three mm -hmm. different ways, Pluto on the seventh house cusp, Pluto squaring its own position in Libra, Pluto sesquare Venus, that's saying three different ways, it's time to stand in your power in relationship. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay. So to me, the message is very clear and the facts on the ground are supporting it. Okay. Okay. Now, um, let me see if there's anything else by transit that's really relevant. Um, there's one other I'm going to bring in. Uh, another very powerful thing. The other most powerful transit you're having right now is transit Neptune square your moon. And you already have Neptune and moon natally conjunct, but transit Neptune is just weeks away from the first exact square to the moon. So mm -hmm. this is relevant because the moon is your chart ruler. You have Cancer yes. rising, so the moon rules your whole chart. Now, normally, this if it were to play out normally, you'd become even more empathic. You'd have a chance to you know embody the divine more fully, broadcast unconditional love and light out to the world. These are all valid ways of using transit Neptune square moon the way your chart is set up. But I'm going to suggest um, a, a strategy that is a little different given the scenario you're in, which is you can call on Neptune as flowing divine power and information. Neptune is like a waterfall of divine energy and information coming into you. And, and given your okay. natal chart, it's always available. Okay. 
and the mm-hmm. transit makes it, you know, much more so. So if you say, okay, Neptune, I call on you as the representation of my own divine energy and wisdom. And I ask you to flow into me the information, the insights that will assist me. I ask you to flow the energy into me that I need to stand in my power uh, against my stepfather. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what I've learned with invocation, you know, I mentioned earlier the invocations for healing and awakening, but you can call in anything you want. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a maximum fill in the blank that serves highest good, please. You can put any flavor of energy you want because it's all on tap all the time. And let's say you call in maximum courage, maximum, you know, determination, you know, all the whatever energy that you need more of to do this well, you can call in that. And then following an invocation, you simply rest in passive breathing, become totally passive. And your divine then will fill you up with as much of the energy as you can hold without overwhelming you. Mm-hmm. So okay. um, with Neptune square the moon, that's one opportunity you have here. The moon is just representing you ruler of the chart. It's uh, the ruler of the chart can almost act like the sun core of identity. And then Neptune mm-hmm. square it is offering all this beautiful divine energy. Now what you have to watch out for mm-hmm. any planet can go high or low. So a part of you would probably love nothing more than just to escape from all this and not deal with it. Okay. Oh yeah. Which has sort of been the strategy so far because you haven't really stood up and stood in power yet. So be cautious about escaping through. Now, I'm not saying you're doing any of these, but these are the classic low Neptune expressions, just in case any of them are, are in your field or tempting you. So if you're mm-hmm. tempted, I'm just going to zone out and and use drugs or alcohol to obliterate the thought of it, or I'm going to get into heavy escapism to do things that don't relate to this and and divert my attention, or I'm just going to be aimless and drifting and not deal with it, or you know the fourth is being a victim in a relationship, which is kind of what you've been doing in in this mm-hmm. scenario. You've let him run the shots to your disadvantage, right? Yes. So basically, totally. be, watch for those low expressions and say, no, I'm not going to do the low side. I'm going to call in my divine power, my divine flow of energy and information. And that's how I'm going to have transit Neptune affect my natal moon. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's very good to know. <laughs> okay, good. All right. Okay. So that so those I don't want to get into all your transits. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just scanning to see if there's any others that I noted that look especially juicy. Oh, there's one other that's worth a passing mention. Transit Uranus is sesquare your moon. So, mm. so both Neptune and Uranus are working the moon right now. And that says, Uranus says, okay, I can offer you paradigm shift and, and catapult you to a whole new level of operation. So Uranus is offering you a better way of, of dealing with that chart ruler. Okay. And um, okay. now just out of curiosity, is part of your reluctance to stand in your power that you're, you empathically feel his pain? And when he's suffering, you suffer also? Uh, I do sometimes when, when I manage to get the anger out of the way, mm-hmm. I, I can clearly sense and feel his, his pain, okay. but I'm not escaping, uh, for that reason. Uh, okay. I'm escaping because it's easier. Right. Okay. But it also leaves you in limbo. Yes, it does. Yeah. Okay. So to understand, you know, if you're. I sense that you're a person who is concerned with others and you would prefer not to do anything that causes someone else challenge, right? Yes. Um, however, what I've learned is that you really need only be concerned with their highest good. And sometimes what that person's highest good is, is the last thing their ego wants. For example, yeah. in this scenario, he only has a 25% share of the house and yet he's been controlling it for years. Okay. 
So, so it could be that he needs to have a karmic lesson of knowing that he can't unfairly control something that is not truly his by right. Yeah. And you by standing in your power and, and him responding with pain and outrage or anger or whatever his response is, maybe he needs to experience those things to discover the downside consequence of behaving in such a selfish way. Yeah. And, and yeah, you're, yeah. You're, not, you're not trying to punish him. You're simply saying, look, I'm standing up for my right. I have the right to you know, move forward, get the house sold, divide the proceeds fairly, et cetera. Um, and if he doesn't like it, you know, his emotions are not your concern. Mm. You know, you, you know, if you're going in the highest possible road, <clears throat> you have no intention of making him suffer. That's not the point. You're simply doing what has to be done to gain your yes. rightful share and the appropriate yes. disposition of that. And if he chooses the response of anger or any other negative emotion, that's not your fault. Yeah. Okay. Now, now the empathic part, um, I work with many highly sensitive people and the way to, uh, I sense that this is an, a, a long-term issue. You feel pain of others, not just with him, but with many other people too, right? Yes. And, and my sense is you, you get sort of overwhelmed by that and it's difficult for you to feel that. Is that correct? It is. It, it's been so difficult, especially the past three years that I, I can't be like constantly with people. I have to stay alone and right. uh, recover my energies mm -hmm. because I, I get sucked up all the time. My energies right. just being sucked out of me. Right. So let me explain how this high sensitivity can be turned into what right now seems like a curse, how it can turn into your greatest blessing. Okay. Okay. So here's yes, the please. deal. Right now, you're functioning like a sponge. You, you are, you're soaking up all the unpleasant energy around you and it's burdening you down and making you feel terrible, right? Yeah. Okay. However, that's because you haven't lit your light yet. The minimum way to turn this around is to have a basic awakening. And, and my invocation for that, you would just say to your higher self, maximum embodied awakening that serves highest good, please, and rest in passive breathing. And if you truly go passive, it will actually bring itself and merge with your body and actually put you in a state where you're merged with it. And again, more details are on that section I told you about on my side if you want to explore that. Mm -hmm. But once you okay. have just that basic awakening, awakening level one, where you've merged consciously with the higher self, you become so much more than Palmyra. Palmyra actually becomes a minority of your consciousness. Most of you is aware of yourself as this gorgeous being of energy that's always peaceful. And it doesn't have disturbing thoughts and it doesn't have challenging emotions. It's just peaceful all the time. This is the, what it is. And when you, when you gain awareness of that, then if Palmyra is having a challenging response, it's not the only thing happening. You've got this field of peacefulness in addition to that that you are resting in. And then whatever challenge Palmyra is having is so much easier to manage. And then yeah. you, it's much easier to remember, okay, I can call in this peaceful part to heal this, to flush this anger away, this high sensitivity, you know. So basically, um, you've got a, a ground of peacefulness that makes it much easier to feel the things around you. And then the flow reverses. Instead of all this garbage coming into you, all of a sudden, you're a shining sun. You have the heat and light of the divine, and it radiates out from you. And you mm -hmm. become a shining sun. And everywhere you go, this energy automatically just flows out to every being around you and gives them what they need. You, Anyone who awakens becomes a walking blessing. 
So yeah. that's that's how you take your your sensitivity to the advantage. You you get the basic awakening. You get the light lit inside, and then um, you have a lot less of that that dark energy coming in because now the flow is outward. But until you mm -hmm. kindle that light, you're going to remain a sponge. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, total sense. Yeah. And and with a char like this, there's no turning off the sensitivity. I mean, you can try to numb it with alcohol or drugs or escapism. But it's I've still going yeah. to be tried. there when all that wears off, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, so what I've, and I'm not just speaking from theory, I've worked with hundreds of clients who have this kind of high sensitivity and I've gotten tons of feedback that when they accomplish this, it really works. Okay. So, so if I would, as part of your strategy of working with this, if this is something that you're open to, you know, try that invocation for embodied awakening or any other tool that enables you to connect consciously with your divine source. And I promise it will make the sensitivity much more manageable. Okay. Thank you very so, much. So that Thank may you. be a helpful way of approaching that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the last thing I'll mention in your moving energies, your in your secondary progressions, your progress Venus is square Pluto. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she made this progression like, I'm guessing, less than six months ago and has got several months to go. So as if all the stuff we already saw in transits wasn't enough to say relationship is the big theme now, progress Venus, the natural ruler of relationship square Pluto, who's got the power, and it's a square saying, okay, it's time to turn a corner here, is just giving that message all over again. Mm. So it, you know, your chart to me is reading super clear that it, it is time for you to step into your power in this and all relationships. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay. It does. All right. So uh, what I'd like to move to next is the chart of your stepdad. And let's let's explore why, how he's manifesting the chart in, in perhaps a lower vibration way. Now, he, like everyone, could ultimately turn this around into a much higher and more wonderful expression. But yeah. um, I'm going to trust that you're tell, giving me what's happening and I'll, I'll, I'll interpret based on what you've told me. Okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So one of the most powerful configurations in his chart is Uranus, which is at his nadir. It's about a degree, almost two degrees into the fourth house. And his, his angles are even enough that Uranus is making a grand cross with all the angles. He's conjoining the nadir, opposing the midheaven, square the ascended and descended. So that's that fundamental unpredictability, that chaos factor he's, he's showing. Okay. And from yeah. what you're telling me, you know, you've, you've, of course, you, I guess you lived much of your life in the same house with them, right? Yeah. Okay. Since I was nine. Okay. Almost 30, almost 25 years. And has, has this been like chaos, unpredictability? You never know what he's going to do next. Has that been very consistent with him? Yeah. And um, along with anger, a lot of anger issues mm -hmm. that he had. Okay. All right. So that's his Mars. And we'll look at that mm -hmm. separately. But, um, and again, now, again, as I said earlier, if he were to become conscious enough to use that Uranus in a better way, then he could shine his unique authenticity to the world and follow his intuitive flashes and serve others with his special gifts. So that Uranus could come around and become a really wonderful actor in his chart. But, mm -hmm. but absent that, you know, it's, it's acting on the more low side, chaos, unpredictability, etc. Okay. Um, his anger issue, let's look at his Mars. His Mars is up in Capricorn in his 10th house. So as it, if it works on the low side, then Mars is anger expressing very publicly because the 10th house is a very visible house. 
Exactly. And, and usually people with Mars and Capricorn who are angry, they can really hold a grudge a long time. Is that true? Yes. Yes. He true, doesn't true. he doesn't forget his wounds and he'll bring them back up, right? Of course. Okay. And the most potent aspect Mars makes, he's a, he has a Neptune moon conjunction, super tight, mm -hmm. and Mars squares it. Okay. So here's Mars square the moon, which is a recipe for anger in a less evolved person. And with Neptune there, it, it gets even trickier because Neptune on the low side is delusion. And, and you're seeing, you're imagining things that aren't real. You're living in a fantasy world. Okay. So yeah. he can get upset by things that aren't even real. It's just he imagines something is a certain way and it makes him angry. And then the Mars moon square fires up. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. And he also has Aries rising. So Mars rules his chart. So the anger yeah. can be very public and very visible. Okay. So, so those are the factors I'm seeing in his chart that would, end, that would support the way you're describing his behavior. Um, um, so I, I, that's probably sufficient on that. I'm just checking other things. Um, now, it also, another thing in his chart tells me that he, he naturally embodies power. Does, does he, do you sense that he's, he does not hesitate to, to try to you know, control and dominate others? And that's, that's just natural behavior for him? Oh, yeah, everyone. Okay. All right. So that's Mars is a little bit that, but I think it's more of his Pluto. And this is interesting. His Pluto makes soft aspects to his sun, moon, and Venus, which rules mm -hmm. his relationship house. He has a natural chart with all, in Porphyry anyway, all the natural rulers are on the house coast. Aries on the first, Taurus on the second, and all the way around. Yeah. So the Pluto trine says he, he, it's easy for him to embody power. Now, of course, yes. power has two flavors. There's power over, I dominate, I control, manipulate, lie, cheat, steal. Anything's fair as long as I get what I want. The other kind of power is shared power where, and people usually don't do this until they awaken enough to realize I've got all this power inside me. I don't need to steal it from other people. I've got my own source that gives me more than enough power, but that requires again, a, excuse me, a base level awakening. Um, but until people get that, they think they have to source power from outside themselves in the physical world. Yeah. That is very, very, very true. Okay. So that's apparently what he's doing. And because Pluto makes all these soft aspects to personals, <clears throat> he doesn't hesitate to take power. It's just a natural flow for him. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's how I'm interpreting his Pluto. Um, his Pluto also squares his Juno, the asteroid goddess of committed partnership. So indicating that he can very powerfully exercise power over those who he has a close container with, and he's, he's in a committed partnership with you because you have a house that you both co-own, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So, um, and also his palace, Athena, uh, I, I'm guessing he has no hesitations about using strategy, cunning craft to get what he wants, right? Yeah. Okay. So, of course. Uh, he, his he's, a, he's a great con artist. I mean, <laughs> uh, the, the people, the people who know him mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, that we we all sit together and say, you know, at least we can say he's a pro. Okay. Well, his, he's a pro. Yeah. Well, his palace conjoins his sun and his Venus. It sextiles his moon, even makes a minor aspect to his Mars. Um, palace squares his lunar nodes. So in terms of craft, strategy, you know, cunningness, oh, yeah. you know, it, that's very powerful in his chart. Yeah, that's, he's very strong at that. And again, he's and using it and he's yeah, using yeah. it in a service to self way right now. Okay. Yes. So that the astrology helps us understand who you're dealing with and, and why he embodies this so easily. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, 
let's look at his transits. And um, <clears throat> he's got some whopping transits right now. Most potently, we talked about his Mars, right? Chart ruler, anger, you know, dominating the warrior. Right now, he has a triple transiting conjunction on top of his Mars. Pluto, Saturn, and the South Node. Oh, dear. So that's, that's a whopper boatload of power. So Pluto is going to be on his Mars for several more years. And that alone would make him a powerhouse. Mm. Okay. So, and Saturn there, he feels like he's going to dominate and control. South Node, all of his past life gifts of control, manipulate, dominate are coming out. Um, so he's he's got a very powerful setup happening right now. He's even got Jupiter passing back and forth over his natal Venus relationships. Okay. So... He's, he's got some very powerful stuff happening. So I don't think you're going to be able to bully him into submission because my guess is with these things happening, he's probably feeling very powerful. Yes, he is. Okay. So what you, and um, so what I'm suggesting here is to understand that his transit field is very potentiated and he's in a, a very powerful position too. Um, therefore, you're, your best strategy might be to approach him to why it's to his advantage to work with you. Oh dear, that sounds so far away from from what I'm doing, you know. Okay. So well let me let me let me see if I understand the facts on the ground. He's finally begun no so if I understand you, he's taken the first step to move toward the sale of the house. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. And you're saying he's only do this because he needs the money and he's going to be in a really bad way if he doesn't sell it and get the money from it, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, actually, we're going to go bankrupt in, if we don't sell the house. Okay. So, so, and you believe e even if he's operating purely from self-interest, he would rather sell the house than go bankrupt? Yeah, of course. Okay, good. Well, now you've, you, it's like you've got him where you want him now. Okay. He, he now must do the action that you want him to take. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, however, it, it sounds like he's operating very much from selfish interest. So obviously you want your share too, but try to put whatever communication you have with him. I don't know if you're communicating directly or only through the lawyer or whatever, but always think of how can I phrase this in a way that it's to his advantage to cooperate? What's in it for him? Does that make sense? Oh, it does. Have you have you used that strategy at all to try to paint the thing so that he gets what he wants out of the whole deal? Yes, I have tried. Like okay. two years ago, I suggested we could rent off the house and make money. You know, mm -hmm. both of us, we could make money. And um, I had this concept in my head, what you're mentioning now, but it didn't seem to work. Okay. Well, I'm not sure it's going to serve you to stay in a long-term business partnership with him anyway. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> from the facts on the ground but the yeah. point i'm saying is yes you want your share the fair share but you know first and foremost you know the first strategy is hey look if, if the house sells you're going to make this much money stepdad and that's obviously very good for you i i of course want my fair share as well but you know make clear to him i want us both to come out good from this you know okay. make clear i want my fair share but I do not want to take advantage of you. I want to be sure you get every penny you're entitled to here. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> so do you think that he might be a little more cooperative if you phrased it in those terms? Maybe. I'm, I'm not sure as he's 
totally unpredictable. Right. Uh, well, but uh, the thing right now between us is, as we have um, agreed for the house for uh-huh. the sale. Okay. Now we're clearing stuff from inside. He's he's the one clearing stuff from the house because uh-huh. he he was the one that stayed in the house. I left six okay. years ago. Okay. So now I'm asking for you know my mother's stuff and uh, mm-hmm. whatever is whatever has sentimental value for sure. me. And, he's, and it's he's, not anything of you know va- actual value. Is he open and to that? And he's refusing. He's, he's refusing. refusing. He's like, no, I'm not. It's everything's for me. You know. Okay. All right. So this is where. If you've asked a reasonable request and he's refused it, this is where you have to step into your own power, which apparently is the only thing he'll respect. You know, uh, it sounds to me like he's rarely or never responded to a request just because it would have been a nice thing to do. Yeah. Okay. So, so I would stop. Exp- well, what, what would be what would be my power then with with this guy? Well, um, do you try to negotiate? Because no, no, you know, no, no. every well, time we every time we uh, share the same room, mm-hmm. we can't ever even look at each other at the eye, you know, it's, it's very awkward between us. Well, it sounds like you might be better to have your lawyer be the sole interface. Yeah. This is what I've done so far. My lawyer is speaking to him. Yeah. So I I think given that, you know, given that you haven't yet learned how to stand in power and it's like second nature to him, you need to Mm -hmm. have your surrogate there who can stand in power and work on your behalf. Mm. Does that make sense? Okay. Yes, it does. So, um, so it, I, I, I don't know how likely it is that you'll learn how to stand fully in power by the time this whole thing gets resolved. So it may be best just to let someone else stand in your power as your surrogate and, and you're transferring your power to that person for this purpose. But the question ultimately becomes it needs to be, it needs to become in his interest to give you what you want. And that. You know, I don't know the details of the of the technicalities of who owns what and what the legality mm-hmm. is, especially since it's not even the country I live in. I don't know how laws of Greece work. Um, but just, you know, make clear to the Lord, these are the things I want. Um, it might be good to sit down and say, okay, these are the things that are non-negotiable. I must get at least this. And then mm-hmm. have the other things. These are the things I would like to have. But if I have to give them up, I can. Mm-hmm. And just just set the and if you can legally stake a, a position where it's just frankly in his own best interest to give you what you want, because otherwise he won't get what he wants. In other words, it sounds like yeah. the only game he'll understand is a power game. Yeah. And um, and therefore so I have to engage in this power game, right? Um, if you want what you want. Yeah, because oh, you yeah. have to engage the power of your legal rights and, and the lawyer representing those to to get his attention. Because it sounds like he's yeah. never done anything just because you asked him to. Yeah, sure. You know, it's <laughs> like the, in the third original Star Trek movie, um, um, Captain Kirk is is facing off this Klingon, I think, on a disintegrating planet. And Kirk asks for something perfectly reasonable. And and the, the Klingon says, I won't give that to you. And Kirk says, why not? He says, because you wish it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sounds like he's yeah. kind of coming from that perspective. Yeah. So, totally. so, so basically to stop expecting him to do anything to be nice and just understand that, you know, talk it out with a lawyer who will understand power dynamics more, more, more eloquently and say, okay, what, what could we do to get me what I want and have him understand that it's the only way he's going to get what he wants. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And, uh, okay. you know, it's, it's a, I wish you didn't have to, but I, I don't see any other way on the ground to do it. Now, I'm going to give you a tool or two that might help in the inner world. 
Okay. Um, so you can you can you can pull out some high vibration spiritual ammunition here. Uh, probably probably a poor metaphor there. So let me let me retract that. Mm-hmm. Here are some things you can do that might possibly lead to a more harmonious outcome. Um, okay. One is you can have ask your higher self to send your stepdad energy that serves his highest good. And the way I would phrase this, I'll just use his name or what we're calling him and say, so spirit, please flow the energy through me to serve stepdad's highest good. And then I would relax and become really passive. And I would actually feel energy coming in the top of my head, out the front of my body and going to him. And I would leave it to my higher self as to exactly what the energy is doing. I would not make any demands or, or specific requests on that. Yeah. So you're asking not when you say highest good, that isn't necessarily what his ego wants. It's yeah. what serves his soul purpose. Okay. Yeah, I understand the difference. Yeah. And the other thing you can do is uh, Ho'oponopono. Are you aware of that practice? Yes, I am. Okay. So if and you, I've been practicing the last two months. <laughs> okay. Have you ever done a Ho'oponopono for him? No. All right. So yeah. I will. So there's many, there's many variations on it. And um, you just can say, okay, I now do this Ho'oponopono for my stepfather. And, um, and you just sing it a few times, you know, making clear this is for him. And I've done that and had extraordinary results with someone I was in conflict with. And that that person turned around and did a wonderful thing that I never would have expected. Wow. Yeah. So again, you, you don't do it hope, you know, obviously somewhere you're hoping. The outcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you don't do it just because I want what I want. And so I'm going to do Ho'oponopono. You're doing it for the person's healing. Yes. And if in that more healed state, that person happens to become more cooperative, then that's just a side product. Mm-hmm. That. Okay. Um, and, and if it isn't too weird, I'm going to actually sing a version of the Ho'oponopono one time through the Hawaiian and then the English. And so anyone who's listening who wants to do this on behalf of another person will have this melody. There's, there's other melodies too, but this one I know works. So mm-hmm. um, may, I, may I do that briefly? Yeah, of course. Okay. So here's, here's the, the, the melody. I'm so sorry, I love you, please forgive me, I thank you. I'm so sorry, I love you, please forgive me, I thank you. And then you just repeat Hawaiian English, Hawaiian English, back and forth. So that, that, thank you very much. Yeah, so that, that can be helpful and either just flowing high good energy or singing the Ho'oponopono, which is a Hawaiian uh, shamanic tool, can be super helpful. All right, so we are almost at an hour here. We've spent quite a little time with this. Let me just see anything else. So again, in terms of his empowerment right now, he he's also got um, transit Neptune square Venus and his progress chart. Progress Venus is very tight with his progress Jupiter. Um, and there's a couple other things that are, you know, what the vibe I get is he's in a he's in a powerful astrological period. And that's why if you just go head and head against him, my power against your power, you know, it probably will not play well for you. And mm. if, you, if you do it in an aggressive or hostile way. Okay? Yes, this is the, this, this 
this is the way I'm doing it so far yeah. because of my anger issues. Right. So again, that's that's just going to work against you here because he's got, yes. if anything, his transits are more powerful than yours right now. Mm. Okay. So if you're going to have a good outcome from here, then I would suggest you still stand for what you want, but do it in as kind and compassionate and loving a way as you can, whatever you can muster, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, and also I've considered a very helpful thing in this process if you start doing your shadow work, you know, saying I've got anger, I have these negative feelings and I can call my own divine self to help heal those and transmute them to love and light or whatever the divine self sees fit to do with them with maximum healing that serves highest good, please resting in passive breath awareness, letting the energy come through and flush out those negative feelings. You can do that every time a negative feeling pops up and, and just give your divine a moment to, to come in and, and clear that level out. So okay. the more you, um, so there's a lot of uh, beautiful learnings and growth opportunities here for you. There's the standing of the power. There's learning how to to use the power of your divine to clear these negative emotional patterns, which is also, I think, part of why he's there to catalyze them yeah. up so you can heal them. Yes. So, um, so in a way, he's uh, he's an awesome adversarial ally. Yes. You know, he's giving you exactly the trouble you need to grow. Oh yes, I know that. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> So I think um, my hope is that I've said enough here to be helpful. Yes. Um, but do you have any, as we move toward closure, is there any loose ends on anything we've discussed that, that you would still like insight or clarification on? Well, the thing you said about being assertive in relationships, mm -hmm. I feel I have a very, very hard time doing that. And the, 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 the way I, I express my assertiveness mm -hmm. is as I can understand, uh, is wrong. I mean, for me, being assertive is kind of synonymous, synonymous of being dominant for okay. some reason. Okay. All right. Would you like me to clarify the difference? Yes, please. Okay. So in a relationship, um, you in that, in the container of the relationship, you have certain needs. Okay. And on yes. top of that, you have certain desires. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, um, if, you know, in my opinion, if the needs are not met, then the relationship should not continue because those okay. are, those are essential A need must be met for you to be healthy and happy. Okay. Yeah, of course. And a desire is just something, you know, it's, it's not essential, but it sure would be nice. And the, the ideal relationships are the ones where the partner is, is actually delighted for you to have your needs and desires met. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's important. Now, again, what was modeled for you apparently with the people who brought you up was, you know, they were selfishly demanding what they wanted and they got tried to get it through conflict and argument. Am I correct about yeah. that? Okay, so not a great model for you. So it helps you then to have a model to start learning how you can relate more harmoniously. So you're, I'm, I'm absolutely sure you're doing the best you know how. But, you know, in, in Western society, we're just not taught how to relate well. We're taught very dysfunctional yeah. ways for the most part. So... Uh, it might be helpful if I told you a basic tool, which is the four-part nonviolent communication method or process that, that has, has worked for decades and has even worked with like warring tribes that were committing genocide on each other. And it was mm -hmm. able to bring those two, those two tribes to the table and get them to a harmonious outcome. So, okay. so now anyone can learn more about this if they simply Google four-part nonviolent communication process. 
and the page will come right up that shows it. And then reading the book, Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg will be very helpful too. But let me just briefly describe, and this is what you would do when a challenge arises in any important relationship, if the person is willing to do it with you. Okay, one of you goes first and they go through four steps. The other person simply listens and says nothing. That's part of the agreement. They have to just listen at this point. So okay. the, the acronym is OFNR, O-F-N-R. O is observation. What would a video camera have recorded and heard? And that's the, okay. so this is just the facts as I understand them. Then you go to the F, which is my feelings. Here are my feelings about this. And you express them fully, openly. If you become passionate with them, that's okay. You let them all out. Then once your feelings are expressed and, and verbalized, you say, okay, here's the needs I have. Here's the needs that are being met and the ones that are not. Okay. And then you go to the final step, which is R, which is request. Here's the request I have of you to get those needs met better. Then you be quiet and they go through the four steps. Here's what they thought happened objectively. Here's their feelings. Here are their needs. Here's their request. And if you both do this openly and honestly and authentically and vulnerably, then maybe for the first time, all the energy and information is out in the open. And you each have a much greater understanding of where the other person is coming from. Most people never get nearly this far because they start rebutting and arguing and it all gets bogged down in that. So yeah. if you've actually listened, then at this point, this is then he, what he calls the magic show happens, where mm -hmm. all of a sudden there's so much information available and working as a team, you two can come to a win-win solution that would not have been possible any other way. Hmm. So okay. if you, now this requires both parties are working with goodwill and they come into the process without a predetermined idea of what the end result's going to be. They're open. They're brainstorming. Mm -hmm. they're, they're in a process to see what can we discover where everyone's needs get met and both of our lives become more wonderful from this outcome. Mm, okay. does, it, does that make any sense? Yes, it does. Now, what I've given is just the bare tip of the iceberg and there's all sorts of uh, techniques and nuances to this that make it more effective, but that's the basic idea. So if you have okay. a person who's conscious enough to do this with you, that tool has has worked wonders for a lot of people I know. And and even my partner and I, when we get into a conflict, we will sometimes pull that, okay, we, we need to do NVC now. We, we've got a really sticky one here. Let's get down to it. Okay, <laughs> that's, that's, that's wonderful. I'll try this tonight, actually. Yeah. So, okay. um, so give it a try. And, um, and again, lots of free nonviolent communication resources online too. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, is that a helpful answer to the concern you raised? Yeah, of course. Thank you very much. Okay, good. Um, are there any other loose ends for you, Palmyra, before we move toward closure? Um, any specific outcomes, uh, uh, um, uh, having to do with a sale? Like the um, the following two weeks. Oh, in the next two weeks? Yes. So you could actually sell the house that fast? Yes. Ooh, <laughs> that's juicy. My lawyer is trying her best. Okay, let me just see. Um, well, you actually have some transits that uh, would be conducive of that possibility. Uh, I mean, some I've already mentioned in this light, Pluto square Pluto. One of the meanings of Pluto is great wealth and other people's money. Okay. <laughs> so mm -hmm. Pluto square Pluto would be conducive to a sale potentially. Um, okay. Also Pluto square Venus. Again, that's the planet of great wealth to the planet of money. That okay. would certainly. And by the way, with Libra on your Nadir, Venus is the planet that rules houses in your chart. 
So mm. Pluto, the the ruler of great money, aspecting the planet that rules house, is very auspicious for that. Okay, so there's no any bankruptcy signs. <laughs> well, uh, Pluto can go either way. Uh, Pluto oh, is either okay. great wealth or great poverty. So okay. the potential for bankruptcy is also there. <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. But um, um, if you believe that your stepfather is self-interested enough that he would rather get the house sold and stave that off rather than do that, mm-hmm. then it, if that you believe is in his self-interest, then he would probably choose to do that rather than hold out until that happens. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. Also, your progressed Venus square Pluto is also a potential windfall scenario as well. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Venus money and Pluto great wealth. So you've got enough going on in your chart that, that that's the, a significant amount of windfall money is certainly possible. But again, mm-hmm. um, I would just, with this guy, you know, just again, stand for what you want, but have the lawyer as much as possible put it in terms of here, stepfather is how this deal will benefit you. Mm, and you okay. got you got to speak to his own selfish desires if he's going to come to the table. I think and really cooperate. Mm, mm. Okay, okay. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. So so it's both. You could get a win win out of this if you play it smart. Okay, I'll be sure to uh, express my higher self in this situation <laughs> and Great. let go of any other feelings and. And anger, I might, I might still have, you know, because I, I clearly see it's not the way that, that the more I push, the more he reacts unpredictably. Mm-hmm. So it yeah. doesn't work. Yeah, it and, clearly, and, yeah, clearly it doesn't work. Yeah. So obviously, if you if your strategy is backfiring, then obviously you need to find a different strategy. Yeah. 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 So okay. I, so if some of this helps, awesome. And uh, and I'm so grateful that you have agreed to talk with me here on the show and. I'm My, so grateful. Thank you very, very much, Benjamin. Thank you. It's okay. a great opportunity for me to be live with you here and uh, <laughs> <laughs> having uh, my chart read from you. you oh, know? my pleasure. And Thank I hope you very that much. yeah, and I hope you, the listener who's listening, have got some some good learnings from it as well. Yeah, I hope. I hope too. I hope. Okay. All right, Palmyra. Anything else before we wrap this up? No, I think we're good. Okay. Thank you. All right, then we'll end now. Thanks so much again. This ends our interactive listener consultation. To have your question considered for one of these segments, it needs to be about a specific issue that's important in your life right now, such as soul purpose, relationship, career, spirituality, or your talents and abilities. Email your question, along with your date, time, and city of birth, to info at astroshaman.com. Living a harmonious life can be difficult, especially these days when things are moving so fast. You'd think that those of us committed to personal and spiritual growth would have it easier, but sometimes it seems as if our lofty aspirations cause us to face even greater challenges. Fortunately, you have a map to guide you, your astrology chart. It can reveal a wealth of information about your soul purpose, your optimal career, and your ideal romantic partner. Spirituality, timing, relocation, your chart, when interpreted by an insightful, experienced astrologer, can provide helpful insights into every area of life. And since the moving planets keep activating different parts of your chart, getting astrology updates at least once a year can help you keep focused on what's important now. But astrology is only the beginning here at Astro Shaman. 
We also offer shamanic healing, which can reduce or eliminate physical, emotional, and mental issues. Your shamanic healing session will also equip you with simple, powerful techniques you can use on your own to help you take your healing and spiritual awakening to the next level. We also offer other services to help improve your life, including awakening activation, electional astrology, mentoring, and more. All are equally effective in person or by phone or Skype. A digital recording of your session is included, and my guarantee makes it risk-free. If you don't feel that your experience was helpful, it's free. To learn more, visit astroshaman.com. I love my work, and I look forward to helping you. We're wrapping up this episode. This Week in Astrology is honored to be chosen by Feedspot as one of the Internet's top 10 astrology podcasts. Check out our website, where you can hear the show and subscribe to podcast updates. You can also do a single sign-up for two great opportunities, chances to win a free consultation and have your chart interpreted on the show. You can also donate to support us. Go to thisweekinastrology.com. From there, you'll be automatically redirected to the This Week in Astrology area of astroshaman.com. Thank you so much for listening. I wish you infinite blessings as the stars light your way. This Week in Astrology is copyright 2019 by Astro Shaman. All rights reserved, although enthusiastic sharing is encouraged. You can access our free comprehensive audio archive from thisweekinastrology.com. If you'd like me to illustrate the weekly forecast with your chart, please send me your date, time, and city of birth. This also gives you a chance to win a free session with me every month. I welcome your personal questions for my live listener consultation segments. I also welcome your general astrology questions and feedback. Just email info at astroshaman.com. I look forward to making you a part of This Week in Astrology. Here's the index. Our intro starts at 152, 19th of April, 227, the 20th, 520, the 21st, 554, the 22nd, 645, the 23rd, 719, the 24th, 740, the 26th, 1032, the 27th, 1048, the 28th, 1108, the 29th, 1140. Next show's highlights, 1357, announcements, 1539, our interactive listener consultation, 1635. Thank you so much for listening to This Week in Astrology.